Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Anybody run that Iron Man yesterday? If you're here, did you run the Iron Man? Anybody? <laughs> no, we've, had, we've had, actually had some folks that have run that. I imagine they're probably sleeping today. <laughs> That's like a two-mile swim and a, what, 110-mile bike ride, and then they run a marathon. I, I have nothing but respect for people that, that do Iron Man. Say, Pastor, are you going to do an Iron Man? <laughs> I believe in being spirit-led, and I'm just not led to do that. I just... I, but I, I, I do know this. It takes, it takes a different kind of mindset to do that. That's grueling. It's difficult. And not only do you have to be in physical shape, but your mindset. You've got to have the right mindset. You have to be willing to persevere. And so it is a mindset. And when I say mindset, I'm talking about a, a habitual attitude that determines how you interpret and respond to situations in life. Like, for example, if you're going to run an Ironman, you need to have a persevering attitude. And so it's a habitual attitude that determines how we respond and interpret different situations in life. Our attitudes and mental mindsets can be different. They can be varied. Most of us have like a mix of attitudes, a mix of, of mindsets. For example, there's the positive mindset and a negative mindset. Or we could go optimistic and pe pe pessimistic. Optimists see the glass half Pessimist, empty, right. So that's, that's, that's an oversimplification, but it is a mindset. Then there's a growth versus a fixed mindset. Growth mindset are the people who look at, that look at different challenges in life, not as an opportunity to fail, but as an opportunity to learn and grow. It's actually a marvelous mindset, whereas fixed believe that they really are trying to protect their, them for anyone from finding out that they have any weaknesses. And so they're, they're concerned about that, whereas growth, growth folks don't care. They're like, hey, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to learn and grow. And so that's a different mindset. And then there's an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset. You know, abundance mindset says, man, there's, there's, there's plenty. There's enough for everybody. Scarcity mindset said there's not enough for me. In other words, if you get a bigger piece of pie, then I'm going to lose out on my pie. Abundance says, man, there's enough pie for everybody. So it's a, it's a different mindset. Scarcity was probably Harold and Eunice were a couple back in Iowa years ago back when aviation was first starting. And they would have these pilots, they had these, you know, the biplanes and the open cockpit planes, where they would take them to different county fairs and they would sell rides. And, and people who never had any experience in riding in airplanes would have an opportunity to do that. So this one county fair in Iowa, Harold and Eunice would show up and uh, boy, Harold really wanted to ride in a plane and uh, Eunice would look at him and go, I know, Harold, but $5 is $5. That was the cost. And next year, same pilot, same Harold, and he's looking at her. He's going, I'd really like to ride that plane, Eunice. And she said, I know, Harold, but $5 is $5. And this went on for two or three years. Finally, that same pilot got tired of hearing it. He said, all right. He said, I've heard this for years. He says, I'm going to make you guys a deal. I'm going to give you a ride. And if I don't hear you make a sound, it's free. But if you make a peep, then it's $5. So Eunice couldn't argue with that. They both got in the plane. And this guy had a little bit of a mean streak. 
So as soon as he took off, he starts doing loop-to-loops and corkscrews and dives and stalls, and uh, he hears nothing out of the back. And when he lands, he, he says back over his shoulder, he said, well, I got to hand it to you folks. That was pretty tricky. Y'all didn't say a word. And Harold pipes up. Well, I was going to say something when Eunice fell out, but $5 is $5. And, and there is your scarcity mindset right there. This morning, I want to talk about another mindset. I want to talk about a, a Christ-like mindset, a Christ-centered mindset. And where we get that is from Philippians. When Paul wrote the Philippian church, he said this. He said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, obviously he's not talking about let this brain be in you because Jesus had his own brain. You can't take the brain of Jesus, but we can adopt the same mindset, the same perspective, the same way of interpreting and responding to situations. He said, let this mind be in you. Well, that's something that's it's very Christ-centered. It's not me-centered. It's not self-centered. So actually that makes it strong. That's a strong mindset. And it's not just something that some people have and some people don't. It has to be developed. That's why Paul wrote the, the church in, in Rome and said, said, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's not talking about brain. He's talking about, again, your mindset. How do you see things? How, what is your perspective? How do you interpret things? I was thinking about this and, and I, I thought about the stuff that we're dealing with so much today. And I thought... You know, it's, we're dealing with a lot of, in our culture, we're starting to deal with a lot of, of negativity. And I see Christians oftentimes responding like we're back on our heels. You know, we're, we're, getting, we're getting poked at and, and, and really sometimes just trolled pretty hard. The atheists are, are now have a big voice. Um, the woke kind of progressive philosophy has a big voice. And if you, if you stand up and go, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, it's not like everyone now goes, oh, great, that's wonderful. Things have changed. But I think we need to adopt a, a different mindset. And as I was thinking about this, this is, um, this is a Bible. Um, this, <laughs> you know, the thing I like to say was, you still read the old-fashioned Bible? Yes. And the reason I like this one is, as I'm reading, there's no notifications that pop up. And... and <laughs> and tell me what you had for lunch the other day. And so th this, is, uh, this is good. But Paul was writing to the church in, at Philippi. He said, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and in not in any way terrified by your adversaries. And I thought, Man, that's the place where we need to get to. Where if you stand up and say, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and everyone is acting like, well, you're just, you're just, you know, what is it, uh, simple, or you're just narrow-minded, or you're, you know, you're messed up, and, and, and you get a lot of flack. And I thought, oh, no, no, no. We, we need to change that. We're not back on our heels. We're not terrified. Here's another word. We're no longer intimidated by what the world says about us because actually we're the ones with the advantage. See, if you have made Jesus your Lord, you're a brand new creation on the inside. You've been recreated on the inside. We're a new creation. The Bible says we're no longer children of the darkness. We're now children of the light with the life of God on the inside of us. 
We are now united with Christ Jesus. We have a relationship and we've got God on our side and Jesus said he'd never leave us or forsake us. Advantage us. We now have a Bible that can give us wisdom and truth and light in the days when there's so much darkness and junk going on. We've got something that can help advantage us and we have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God living on the inside of us and He's not a spirit of fear. He's a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't need to be on our heels. We need to be the one going, hey, I don't know about all that, but I'll tell you there's a better way. There's a good way to go. Come on our way. It is a better way. It advantage us because He's our advantage because of what He's done for us. Does that make sense? Different mindset. We're not intimidated anymore. Listen, if you stand up and say you believe in Jesus, yeah, people, oh, I don't even believe. You, you want to think to yourself, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. You just don't know how good it is on this side of the fence. So our objective is to show them, to help them. And I want to give you three mindset moments that Jesus had right before he went back to heaven. He's, he's before, we looked at before the cross. We looked at, at the cross at Easter and now we're looking at after the cross, the resurrection, and Jesus is just getting ready to go back to heaven, but he has some moments with his disciples. And those moments, I want to give you three this morning. Those moments are something we need to pay attention to because they're written for us. So let's go to the John, the 21st chapter. We'll put these verses up here. Simon Peter said to them, he was talking to his, his buddies, his disciples, which would include Thomas. He said, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat that night. They caught nothing. But when the morning had come, now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast, they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. That's number one. It's number two. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. That's number two. Here's number three. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who's the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, this is John he's talking about, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will, that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Let me give you three mindset moments that give us insight into the mind of Christ, into the mindset of Christ. First one is that Jesus has an abundance mentality. He has a here to bless you mentality. You know, when the, he called out to his disciples and said, you guys got anything? They've been fishing all night and it caught nothing. That's frustrating. And he could have, he could have looked at them and said, well, too bad. That's not what he said. He said, why don't you throw, throw the net on the other side, throw it on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some." They didn't recognize it was the Lord. Now, I don't know, understand all that, but evidently Jesus, after his resurrection, could hide himself. I guess they wouldn't know who it was. So they couldn't tell who it was. And when, so he said, throw the net on the right side. They drew in so many fish. And as soon as Peter saw, as soon as John saw the fish, he said, that's the Lord. 
You say, well, why did he know it was the Lord? Because he'd been with the Lord and every time the Lord got involved, it wasn't just barely enough. It was always in abundance. When he told Peter to let out your nets for a catch, he almost sunk two fishing boats. When he fed multitudes, thousands of people, they still took up leftovers after everybody had eaten and they're full. Every time Jesus shows up, abundance shows up. Every time Jesus showed up, goodness showed up. Every time Jesus showed up, people, people were getting blessed. And you know, when those guys pulled the, pulled the fish into shore, Jesus had already made breakfast for them, which is another amazing thing to me. He made breakfast for his disciples. You're thinking, they should be making breakfast for me. He's got a, an abundance mentality. He's got a, I'm here to bless you, to add to your life mentality. Here's the second one. He has a, a focus on people. When, he, when he's walking with, with Peter, he's walking with Peter and he's not talking about Peter's past. See, a lot of times people say, well, he asked him three times because Peter denied him three times. I, I don't know about that. But Jesus did not ask him, Peter, why he denied him. Evidently, Jesus has already gone past that. So Jesus was not hung up on Peter's past. Now Jesus is thinking about, let's talk about the future. And the future, when he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes. I like what Jesus did next because, again, it gives us insight, insight into his mindset. He said, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Jesus didn't go good. Give me a hug. <laughs> he said, do you, when Peter answered affirmative, Jesus said, I need you to take care of my sheep, my lambs, my little ones, my people. See, Jesus is more interested in people than he is hang up about your past. And so he's like, I, I, need, you, I need you to take care of my people. That's what's important to me. Take care of mine. And then the third thing we see, that's a mindset. Jesus, his priority is always people. And then the, the, the last mindset is, is Jesus wants you to focus on following him. When he said, Peter's walking with Jesus and they're talking, and Peter looks behind him and he sees John, he goes, what about him? And Jesus looked at him and said, look, if I, if I want him to stay till I come back again, what is that to you? You follow me. Right then, he told Peter, this is how you deal. You deal with what you're responsible for. You follow me. You let me and him deal with things. You're not responsible for John. You're responsible for your life. Three mindset moments that give us insight into what kind of mindset we're to have. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So let's look at the first one here. Focus on following him. We're followers of Christ. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to get all caught up in what other people are doing? Social media has not helped us here. And we just, people, I, I talk to people and they are just so wrapped around the axle about what someone else is doing. They're like, do you know my brother-in-law? Do you know who he voted for in this last election? And, and here's my question. What's that to you? And then, or you get people going, well, I, you know, I was looking at her Facebook post and there's no way that she had that kind of jewelry because I know she borrowed that jewelry. It was fake, but it wasn't real jewelry. And she's acting like it is real jewelry. And I know she doesn't have that. And her kids aren't that pretty. She doctor, what is that to you? 
But how often do we get wrapped around the axle because of what someone else has done? So here's the question. Sometimes you want life to be a lot simpler. We need to ask ourselves, is this my deal? If it's not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to follow Jesus because when I follow him, I become a fisher of men. If I follow him, I become a blessing to other people. And Jesus said, if I'm following him, he said, let your light shine, not let your anger show. There was a a guy who was on a plane, he flew a lot, frequent flyer, and uh, he was on this particular flight. He noticed the flight attendant crew was awesome. He said, I've never seen a better flight attendant crew. They were smiling. They were engaging. They did extra things. They were just so pleasant. Their demeanor was wonderful. He said, I've never seen a flight crew like, uh, attendant crew like this. And so he finally pulled one of them, flight attendants aside. He said, um, he said I got to tell you guys, y'all the best flight attendant crew I have ever seen. I fly a lot. I fly this airline a lot. You're the best I've ever seen. And the, and the flight attendant leaned down. She whispered. She said, it's because of the lady in 12B. And she nodded her head back there. She's the supervisor over all the flight attendants for this airline. <laughs> and she's on this flight. And I thought, oh yeah, that's right. She was on the flight, so they're acting different. If we recognize that our focus is, if I'm following the Lord, I'm going to be acting different. I'm not going to be as concerned about what other people, if I'm following the Lord, I'm going to be a blessing to other people. Because listen, guys, in our angry, divided world, somebody's got to have a different spirit. And it might as well be us. Micah 6, 8 He's shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Somebody's got to show a different spirit. Our focus is on following him, having his mindset. Here's the second thing. We put a priority on what the Lord values. We prior- Listen, here's a beautiful thought. The Lord is not hung up about your past. I know a lot of people, you're hung up about your past. The Lord's not. Some of you are thinking, well, you know, I would come to the Lord, but man, I got, a, I got a bad background. Listen, your background is not keeping you from the Lord. He's already paid the price for that. All you have to do is come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. And your background and your past and all that gets wiped out and wiped away. And the Lord's not going to bring it up again. He is not hung up about your past. But he does want to focus on people, on valuing what he values. And he values people. See, a lot of times we think, I love the Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you. It's your people, Lord, I can't stand. (laughs) And it doesn't work that way. We got to love what he loves. And he loves people. And so that becomes our job. We love people. Remember, we're following him. Remember, we're taking up a different mindset. Remember, we have the mind, we have the mind that Jesus had. And so he loves people. He values people. And so it's not a matter of, well, I don't like them. I don't. No, it's a matter of, Lord, if, if, if you value people, then me being a blessing to people is blessing you. Any dog lovers out there? Got it. Okay. How many of you know, uh, you dog lovers, uh, being good to your dog is important? If someone came into your house and your little dog came up and, you, and someone kicked your little dog, you got to hear little dog. That's not going to work well with you. How about any cat lovers? I'm going to add you to this list. I don't understand you, but I'm going to add you. <laughs> but you love, you love your animals. So we, years and years ago, we bought, we bought dog, Joy's sister. Joy has one sister. 
and uh, older than Joy. And Joy's sister and Joy bought dogs out of the same litter. They were brothers. We got the evil brothers. They got the good brother. <laughs> we did, man. That little dog we had, oh, it was a Maltese. Had to be the stupidest dog in the, in the world. Dog bit me one day. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't bite me. So we blessed another family with it. And um, <laughs> so gracious. Um, love people. So um, we had an opportunity to watch. Uh, little, her dog was named Spanky. Gosh, he lived forever. He looked like the classic old man dog. You know, we went to the bathroom in the house. He's half blind, deaf, couldn't hear, but she loved that dog. So we were watching that dog for the weekend and we let the dog out in the back, back of, the, of the, the yard to, to go to the bathroom. And we're just, we're eating a meal and all of a sudden I looked up, I said, where's Spanky? And we're like, we looked in the backyard, we couldn't see Spanky. Little white dog, you can't, you know, against the green grass, pretty easy to spot. We're like, oh my gosh. Did an owl get him? Did, did, a, did, did a hawk get him? And, and it was like family freakout time. Everybody bolted. We got out in the neighborhood. We're calling Spanky. We, thank, thank God we found him. He was down by the lake. So before he just drowned himself, we got him back and, and, and took him. And you're like, did you really care that much about that dog? No, but I know that Joy's sister loved that dog. So to have something go wrong with that dog under our watch was not okay. Does that make sense? And so we, because she valued that little nasty dog, we, we valued the little nasty dog too. And in doing that, that's showing love for her. Listen, listen, I know people, people are people. You're people, you got people, all of us got people. Listen, the problem is people are gonna be people, but Jesus loves them and Jesus values them. And we need to be good to him because in being good to people, you're being good to him. That's one way we show love for the Lord. Do you love me? Then take care of mine. You say, well, Alan, you got scripture for that? I need a scripture. I'm glad you asked. I got one right here. <laughs> for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name and that you have ministered. Scratch the word minister there because don't think of preaching. You've cared for the saints and so do care. You could use the same word. It's to serve, it's to bless, it's to care. In other words, when we love people, when we care for people, we're, sh we're showing our love for the Lord. Focus on following him. Put a priority on what he puts a priority on. Here's the last one. Expect the goodness and mercy of God in your life. Expect goodness and mercy. You know, an abundance mindset, Jesus wants to add to your life. He's not looking to subtract from your life. He's not looking to take from your life. And if you're following him, goodness and mercy are going to be following you. Remember Jesus, remember the Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And then at the end it said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If I'm following the Lord, if I'm doing what he's asked me to do, if I'm being good, then I can expect goodness and mercy to come following me in my life. And that makes all the difference in the world. See, there's a, there's a, a lot of times people aren't expecting goodness and mercy because they realize they haven't sown goodness and mercy seeds. So if you just start saying, you know what? Let me start being good. Let me just do good. You say, well, you're going to be a do-gooder. That's what we do. We are do-gooders. And look at this in, in Galatians. There's a promise for it. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. What am I saying? I'm saying is there's a mindset with the Lord that he's abundance-minded. And so, so much of the time in our lives, we're simply trying to protect our lives instead of realizing, no, no, if I will give of my life, if I will sow seeds of goodness and mercy, the Lord's going to take care of me. Goodness and mercy is going to come around for me. And buddy, do we all need goodness and mercy from the Lord? Years ago, Ruth Graham, who is Billy Graham's one of his daughters, I think they call her Bunny. She told a story at Billy Graham's funeral. I thought it was just so powerful about the mercy. And it really speaks to the mercy of God. See, Ruth said that after 21 years, her husband left her. He'd been unfaithful and they divorced. She never wanted divorce. How many of you know Billy, if you're Billy Graham's child, that's got some pressure behind. Billy Graham may be probably one of the greatest ministers we've had on earth in the last hundred years. He's been such a blessing. If, for those of you who are not familiar with him, I would encourage you to Google him later, but Google him. It, it's a, just a marvelous ministry, high integrity, blessed so many people all over the world. And Ruth Graham said, here I am, I'm getting divorced. I didn't want to get divorced. I felt embarrassed. I didn't want it, but it happened. And so her family thought it would be good for her if she, if she kind of got out of that area. She's living in Virginia. And she moved down to be close to her sister, Gigi, in Florida. Gigi was family. Gigi was going to a good church. And she said the pastor of that church introduced her to a very handsome widower. And they started dating quickly, fast and furious. She said, my children didn't like him. She said, but I thought, what do you know? You're grown. You're almost gone. I'll do what I want. She said her parents, Ruth Bell Graham and Billy Graham, Ruth called her, Ruth Bell Graham called her from Seattle and said, honey, slow down, slow down this thing. Let us get a chance to know him. Her father called her from Tokyo and said, sweetheart, you need to, you're moving too fast. Slow down. Let us get a chance to meet this man. Let's get a chance to work with this man. She said her thoughts were, you've never been divorced. You don't know what it's like to be a single parent. I'm going to do what's right for me. So on New Year's Eve, she said she married the man. She said within 24 hours, she knew she'd made a major mistake. Within five weeks, she fled the marriage. She's now coming back home. She said, I needed to talk to my parents. But she said, I'm embarrassed. I feel ashamed. I feel broken. I, my, my life just went, went such the wrong direction. And I wonder what my parents, especially what's my dad going to say. They live in uh, Billy Graham and his family live in a place called Montreat. It's in North Carolina. But uh, just, just saying. Um, but she said when, when they got up to, got up there, she said she's winding down the road. Mount, they're in the mountains. She said winding down and she, in the driveway when she round the last bend, she said her dad was standing out there in the driveway with his arms open. And when she got out of the car, said he walked over to her and just held her in his strong arms and in an embrace. And all he said to her was, welcome home. Ruth said he could have rebuked me. He could have shamed me, could have condemned me, could have told me I told you so. All he did was love me. Welcome home. 
she said, my father is not God, but I got a picture of God that day. You know, that's a, the same kind of God that we have. Many of you think, well, I, I, is God angry? Is God mad at me? Does God want me around? I'll tell you something, when you round the bend, he's the one with his arms open wide, smiling, going, welcome home. All you gotta do is say yes. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please, no one leaving. We'll be out here in just a couple of minutes. But if you came today or you're, maybe you're watching online, you say, you know what? I have never made a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you made that decision at one point in time, then you got away from God. So this, is, this morning, man, what a perfect time. What a perfect time to come home. What a perfect time. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come down to the front. But sitting right in your chair or sitting watching online is a wonderful opportunity to make him Lord or to come back to him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. But if that's you that I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I want to be sure that I know in my heart or I want to come back to the Lord. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just real quick across this auditorium? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Obviously, I can't see those of you online who are lifted your hand. But listen, you can pray this prayer. We're going to pray it here as a church family. If you're by yourself, pray it. Pray it out loud if you're with others. Pray it quietly. In here, maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you thought, I won't end on this. You can get in. We're going to jump in right here. We're going to pray with you. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Those heads still bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. Father, thank you. For those who prayed that prayer, who stepped out of darkness into light, and for those who come back home and been welcomed by you, Lord, we welcome them as well. And for the rest of us, thank you. We can focus on you. We can develop a mindset that's strong, a mindset that makes us a blessing and a light in a dark world. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.